Um, I just got back from Costa Rica and Nicaragua. Amen. God uh, used us mightily there. I met up with Pastor Josh, Pastor Ben Jones um, from the home church, and also uh, they met me here in Dallas, and we flew into Costa Rica to meet up with Pastor Carlos and Pastor Jose. Amen. And it was a powerful time. Josh brought Pastor Josh brought his son Brett, and uh, what an experience for him to him as well. Amen. Listen, if you ever get an opportunity to go on a missions trip, make it happen. Amen. It's worth it. Amen. And I'm gonna wake you up a little bit this morning because I sense a little bit of us in this place are are dozing quite a bit. Hallelujah. Amen. But I, I tell you what, sometimes the Lord will send you in to wake some people up. Glory to God. Amen. And that's what I have been called to do. Glory to God. Amen. So we're going to have church in this place this morning. Can I get an amen over here? All right, that's all right. Can I get an amen over here? How about right here in the middle? Can we get an amen? Glory to God. Now that we're all awake, we're going to preach the gospel this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm telling you what, God is so good. You know, I, I, you can go ahead and put the title of the message up this morning. Um, you know, I, 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 I count it a privilege to be able to go to a foreign country and minister the gospel of Jesus Christ. How many know that God is the same today, yesterday, and forever? He is the same in Costa Rica and Nicaragua as he is right here in Denton, Texas. Glory to God. Amen? This, as a matter of fact, Jimmy calls it Denton, America. Hallelujah. Amen? This isn't Texas. This isn't the United States of America. This is Denton, America. Glory to God. Amen? And God is doing some great things. Hallelujah. We went down there, and I'm telling you what, God just began to move. We got off that airplane that night. I, I promise you, it was not a fun trip other than being in ministry and the fun and the joy of it, winning the lost and preaching the gospel, amen. We got into Costa Rica that night on Friday and began to preach the gospel. That night, I had to get up and preach right away. So it's like, get off the plane, took us to our place we stayed, ran and grabbed something to eat, came back. I said, I'm going to take a little nap. I looked at the clock, and it was already time for church. And I'm like, Lord, you, you know, I couldn't sleep on the plane. I can't sleep on planes. I can't sleep in buses. I can't, I, I, I mean, I'm wide awake, and, and I'm just excited. But we get to the church, and it's such a privilege to know that the people that we ministered to years ago, Pastor Blake and Carla, my wife and I, the people that we ministered to years ago are still being faithful to the work of God in that place. It's so encouraging. When pastor comes home from his trips, when he goes out and pastor or preaches, whatever it is, uh, even if he goes on a vacation, to be able to come home and to know that the good and faithful servants of the Lord are here in the house of God, worshiping the Lord, praising God, getting a breakthrough, amen, calling on the name of the Lord for a miracle. That's what we need in our lives, amen. That's exactly what happened there. We had a wonderful time uh, preaching the gospel there. We had a campaña there, a, a, a mini revival Wednesday, uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday with Pastor Carlos. And um, Pastor Josh was with Pastor Jose in Ciudad Colón. And it was a wonderful time. And God did some amazing and great things. You know, the baby that uh, the, the, the group, the mission group that went from here into uh, Costa Rica uh, they prayed over a baby that was healed. This baby was, was supposed to die. The doctors had given them an evil report. And that baby is one of those babies that I was holding in one of those pictures. I'm telling you, and I, I called Pastor Blake right away, and I said, you won't believe this, but this baby, this baby's more ornery than a baby that's normal. Hallelujah, amen. 
And uh, she was talking, she was playing, and she's just a newborn, you know, she's little. But I'm telling you, God did a miracle in that baby. And, and the same happened in Nicaragua with another child, as you saw me in the blue shirt uh, holding that baby. But I'm telling you, God is on the move. He's, he's a healer, amen? Don't you think for a moment that just because you're passing through a trial or a tribulation or maybe it's a sickness or something going on in your life, don't you think that for nothing that, 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 that you have been defeated, amen? Because God, he has the final say, amen? Can I get a bigger amen than that one? God has the final say. He's in charge. Glory to God. Thank God we don't have to sit back and sit in a recliner and listen to the devil tell us how worthless we are. Amen? Because we're not worthless. We are children of God. We are, we are instruments of the Lord, his hands. We are his feet. We are his voice. We are doing the call of God in our lives. Amen? And that's why we go and preach the gospel. That's why we go. When we're called upon, we go and we step in there and we do what we're called to do. Amen? Let's go ahead and open up our Bibles this morning, if you would. I'm going to minister on, be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to take those notes and go ahead and put my first scripture up there because I added this one at the last minute. John chapter 16, verse 33, it says this, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. Isn't that so comforting to know that in him we have peace? No matter what you're going through, you might be sitting at home today in your couch in your living room. Maybe you're at work and you're listening to this sermon or driving down the highway and you're listening to this sermon to know that in the book of John, chapter 16, verse 33, it says, he says, in me you may have peace. It says, in the world you will have tribulation. How many can say amen to the tribulation part? We know that life brings tribulations and problems and trials and situations, but in God, hallelujah, we have peace of mind. It says, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Glory to God. Amen. That means no matter what we're going through in our life, no matter how negative the lawyers or the doctors or, or the, uh, whatever it might be might say to you that there is hope for us in Jesus Christ. Glory to God. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36 through 38. It says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with, the, with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Verse 38, Therefore pray, uh, therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Hallelujah. You see, this is exactly what God is doing in our lives as pastors, but also it is in your life as well for God to send you out to, to do his will outside of the four walls of the church. Amen. If you haven't guessed by now, I'm preaching a message on the harvest, the harvest field. As he said there, the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. Glory to God. There's so many places that need God in this world today, and there's so very few people that are willing to go. If you don't believe me, just ask yourself, when is the last time that you gave somebody a track at the restaurant? And you might say to me, Pastor, I don't really know how to preach. I don't really know how to tell somebody about God. Let me tell you something. If you go out in this, in this foyer right here, and you'll look for our pamphlets that we have out here. We have these little chick tracks. They're, that's the name of the track, okay? And it's a, it's a cartoon story, and it's an illustration of what God is trying to say to somebody. I think I've read every 
every one of those tracks in all the years of my life being in church. I mean, I read those things all the time, and I love them because every time you read it, it's a different story to your life. It's like reading the Bible. When you open up the Bible, it begins to read you. It begins to speak into your life, and it begins to pull things out of you. And that's what those little tracks do. When you hand that to somebody, and, and there's one in there, something called the sissy or something like that. And, you know, you give that to a macho dude. You know, it's like we were walking down the street in Nicaragua, and we're walking down. There's six of us walking down the street. You know, Pastor Josh is like six foot four. You know, Pastor Ben, he's a big old boy, and I'm twice the size of everybody over there. Lord, have mercy. The food is so delicious. I just had to throw, it, throw that part in for free. And we're walking down the street, and there's this guy across the street. There's two guys walking across the street, and they're looking at you because they know, number one, you're a gringo. You're, you're, you're an American. Gringo's not a bad thing. It's you're an American, okay? You're not who they are. And so they're looking over at us, and, you know, I got a theory in life that before somebody comes after me, I'm going to go after them. Amen? So we're walking down the street. They're looking over at us. Everybody's saying something, and I go, whoo, glory to God. And they were like, you know, you don't give the devil an opportunity to come after you. Some of us, we see danger coming, and we're like, oh, I better build my casket because I'm about to die. I better give up because somebody's coming after me. No, the, God gave us a spirit. He did not give you a spirit of fear. Hallelujah. He gave you a spirit of power and authority, glory to God, to trample over serpents and scorpions. We do not have fear in our lives. That, now, we got to be smart. We got to be intelligent and understanding, knowing what's going on around us, but you ought to know your surroundings. That means the people you hang out with, the people you talk to, the people you communicate, the people you hang out with. Amen? That, all that was for free. I threw that in. Glory to God. Amen? But you know what? It's, so, it's such an amazing experience. We get into Costa Rica. We're preaching the gospel there. One of the things I didn't even mention in the first service this morning, you notice the boom box we had sitting on those chairs in that field that was in the church in Nicaragua there, and um, we had purchased them a sound system uh, for their church, for their field, you know, the field that's out there, and uh, listen, we don't need four walls to have church, amen, I know that, I was just there, I mean, I'm telling you what, we had mud from the bottom of our feet all the way up to the hip line, we were, we were dirty as dirty can be, it didn't matter, we wore the same pants over and over, it didn't matter, shoes, Pastor Josh, when we were leaving to leave, he had to throw his shoes in the trash, most of us, we were giving stuff away and just getting rid of stuff. We were, it was so bad there that, 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 you know, we didn't know what to expect. But it was such a wonderful presence of God in a dirt field. Glory to God. We get there on Monday night and we're, we're preaching the gospel. And I'm getting way ahead of myself here. But I wanted to add this because I just noticed in the second video, those speakers, we had to, we had to send somebody to their house to bring those speakers so we could have church. On Monday night when we got there, Pastor Ben was getting ready to preach. Well, the service had just started, and Pastor Javier is starting the service out, and he's saying, come on, we're going to worship the Lord, and he's shouting and shouting and shouting, and all of a sudden the speaker system went out. It, we just heard a loud bang, and everything left. It was gone. And I'm telling you something, we're screaming, shouting, and everything. They bring those speakers, and we had a Holy Ghost time. Let me say, let me say this. The devil has no power or no authority over us. If you will take the authority back from the devil, you say, well, I'm pretty bound by it. My family's in trouble. We're bound by this. We're bound by that. Listen, if you will take the authority back and tell the devil, you must go right now in the name of Jesus, the devil will flee. Amen? I'll tell you what, we had a powerful service. You saw it out there. People are dancing, shouting. You want to see more videos, let me know. I'll send you some stuff. And, and it is so encouraging. Amen? 
you know, it's such a privilege to pastor. It's such a privilege to be in the kingdom of God, as we all know. And I want to talk about three things this morning that we need to understand concerning God's harvest. Amen? It's not a harvest like going down the street here and planting some, uh, some trees to grow fruit. Amen? It's, it's a little bit different, but it's, it's the same concept. Number one, I want to talk about the harvest. It's involvement. Okay? The harvest is involvement. Number two, the harvest is work. And number three, the harvest is urgent. There has never been a time like there is today that it has been so urgent to, for us to do what God has called us to do, amen, and go out and win souls for Christ. It is so urgent, amen. So number one, the harvest is involvement. Harvest time is a time of involvement, not just for you, not just for your wife, not just for your children, but for the entire family, amen. Like yesterday, we had such a wonderful event our spring fest yesterday was powerful. Listen, it was as cold yesterday, almost as cold as it is today. And I'm telling you what, people came. Is there anybody here today that you came first time, second time, but you were at that harvest festival yesterday? Anybody here? There's some people here. Amen? And, and, and you know what? We're going to see fruit. Just because we don't see a lot of people that were here yesterday in the next service, Wednesday night, next Sunday, the following week, they're going to be showing up into this place because there were seeds that were planted. Hallelujah. That is the harvest field. That is the, the cosecha. That is us going out and planting the seeds, what we did yesterday, and we're going to see that fruit come back to us tomorrow. Hallelujah. It's like an example of farming in a community. They all have one aim during the time of harvest time, amen? And that is to get the crops in order and get everything set and the seed planted in the ground. And God's priority has always been souls, amen? How many can say amen to that? His priority is souls. It's not, it's not how great of a Christian life can we live. It's about how many souls can we win for Jesus Christ. I love to see people bringing visitors in with them to church. And, you know, you don't know who's who or who's who in the charismatic zoo, but they're bringing people to church. Glory to God. That is the most heart-loving thing that God wants to see in us, that we bring somebody with us, that God not just healed your life and, and blessed you and your walk with God, but he's put people in your life that you could bring to church, that you could encourage to give their life to Jesus and surrender. Amen? You see, we must be available. What does it mean to be available today? It means that we must put ourselves at the disposal of the Lord. We must put ourselves at the disposal of his work and what he wants to do in our lives. Glory to God. Amen? You see, one of the things I think is very important for you and I to understand, a mark of a Christian growth is our availability. Amen? Not just when we're called upon, like, hey, uh, yeah, I really need you to do this for me. Can, I, can, I, can you please help us? You know, that's easy. You know, we can all say yes when we're asked. You know, I like to do this. But I'm talking about when no one has asked you to do something, you're available. You make yourself available. I'm here to serve. I told the story this morning about one of the guys in one of these pictures this morning. You saw the older gentleman. He's probably about 65 years old. He's got eyebrows. And I've always told this story. You guys have laughed about it before. You might not laugh today. But this guy had eyebrows like, like he can't really understand. So I'm, I'm going to say this. But he had umbrellas over his eyes when I first met him. And I've told this story. Some of you laughed, and it's a good time, and I've laughed at it myself. And I told him, I, I called him Señor Sombrilla. 
But this guy came into the church one time, and we were there, and, uh, you know, Pastor Blake and Carla and their girls had just left Costa Rica to come here and plant this work, and, and God was doing some amazing things, and we had answered the call to take the church there in Pavas. And we're there, and some of the people of the church that were with Pastor Blake and Carla, they had gotten up and left. You know, they loved their pastor. I understand that. It's, it's, it happens everywhere you go. And they were just, you know, hey, God bless you. We'll see you later. And they just left, and we were there pastoring a church. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm struggling. I'm running to the sound booth and back to the pulpit and back and forth three or four times. And I'm telling you, it was the most aggravating service for me I've ever preached in. And the devil was attacking me. Anxiety kicked in, depression. I wanted to just run. I wanted to run past the sound booth and just run out the door and go all the way home. I just wanted to crawl under a rock. I felt defeated. I felt like the devil was tormenting my mind. And, and, and sure enough, uh, the sound system is making squeak this and squeak that. And it was all over the place. And the, the whole neighborhood was just crying. It sounded like a dog out there howling. And I turned around and there's this man standing behind me. And I said, can I help you? And he said, I'm here to serve. I'm here to serve you. I'm here to help. And I'm like, man, this dude's crazy. And, you know, flesh is coming out. I'm starting to get upset because, you know, this guy's standing here watching me. I feel like he's mocking me. I feel like he's tormenting my mind and the devil's just coming against me. And everything's falling apart in the church service and I'm running back and forth. I'm working so hard. I'm sweating. It's the hottest season, hottest time of the year. And I'm just pouring sweat. And I look back and the man is still just standing there. And I'm thinking to myself, if I turn around and this guy is still there, I'm going to get so mad. I'm going to grab him by his neck and I'm going to just wring it like a chicken. I'm just going to grab him mad. And I turned around and I said, can I help you? And I yelled at him. He said, para servirle. I'm here to serve. And I'm thinking to myself, what in the world? I said, do you understand this machine? Do you know, what the, you know how to work these things? And he says, para servirle. I'm here to serve you. And I'm like, Lord, you have sent an angel. God, I'm so thankful, Lord. I jumped over the box. I didn't even open the door and run out. I, I jumped over the box, ran to the, back to the pulpit, and it was my turn to preach. I had just done the offering. I had just opened the service. I had just done everything else. And I'm running up there, and this man jumps in that sound booth, and he begins to just put everything where it needed to be. And it's the sound went from the worst sound you'd ever heard in your life to the greatest sound I've ever heard in my life. And one of the things I did forget to say, well, I'll say this in a moment, but, you know, we used that man. He was in that service with us, and the sound was great. And, you know, that's the same service. A woman walks up, throws me a note. I said, man, this is going to be awesome. She's encouraging me. She just loved my preaching. It was so great, and God's going to encourage me now. It's my time to get blessed. Hallelujah. Oh, she's just going to say something so sweet to me. People are at the altar crying. People are getting saved and touched. I don't, I, don't, I don't know. It definitely wasn't what I said because they couldn't understand anything I said. My Spanish was horrible at the time. I opened up this little note and I, I unfold the paper and it said, that was the worst message I've ever heard in my life. And it said, your Spanish is horrible. And, you know, before she could even get to the first row of seats, I already had that piece of paper crumbled up and I threw it as hard as I could at her. And I said, I rebuke you, devil, in the name of Jesus. I had to say that in English because I didn't even know how to say it in Spanish. I'll let the Holy Ghost interpret that one, amen? And he did. He interpreted it because them, them legs just kept walking. Never mind. God help me. Thank you. He helps me when I'm going to say something I shouldn't say. Amen? And God did a miracle in that service. And I tell you what, I had to find joy somewhere in my life. 
In that very moment, standing behind that pulpit with those people crying, there was a dog under the front seat of the chair there that was more saved than anybody in the entire church. And I'm sitting there sweating like a dog. I'm sitting there suffering like a mule. And, 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 I, and I don't need some negativity in my mind at that time, amen. But God did a miracle. And at the end of that service, people had gotten saved and touched. And we were so blessed. And my wife and I, every, every service, we just look at each other and say, well, God did it again. God did it again. Then I preached on families coming to church. And all of a sudden, now it was men and women and grandpas and grandmas and their children and their grandparents. I'm telling you what, God did a miracle in that place. That Sunday afternoon when Mel Chode was in that sound booth, we went to the office. I said, D, she said, we got to talk about this. We got we to call dad. Oh, I went to talk to the guy before we said that. I, I went to talk to him. He says, I'm an atheist. And I said, oh, God, help us. He says, yeah, I'm an atheist. I said, well, don't you love God? He said, no, I don't love God. I hate God. I don't want nothing to do with God. I'm this and that and that, and God is this and God is that. And I'm telling you what, I'm sitting there, and you know me. I'm having to hold my tongue. I don't. First of all, I don't know what to say because I can't say it in his language. Second of all, I'm so mad I want to wring my own neck because I just put an atheist in our sound booth. So I go to my wife, and I said, this guy's an atheist. She says, oh, my gosh, what have we done? She says, we better call Dad. And her dad is our, our senior pastor of our fellowship, and that's her dad. And, uh, you know, he, she says, we better call Dad and tell him what we did. And I said, okay, let's do it. I get on the phone. I said, Dad, you will not believe what happened today. The, and I told him all the bad stuff. You know, the, the sound was horrible. The devil came against us, you know. <laughs> Daddy, please help us. Please understand. I said, we put an atheist in our sound booth today. He said, well, how did he do? <laughs> I said, Dad, don't you understand what I said? We put an atheist in our sound booth today without knowing and realizing it. He said, well, it went well, right? I said, yeah, it went great. He says, invite him back. Invite him back tonight. Let's see what God does. And so we, I, we ran out there. She stayed on the phone with Dad. I run out there, and, and I'm looking for this guy, you know, and there he is. Parecibile. I run to the back way. I say, I'll get him from the back, and I'll, maybe he'll be different. I come all the way around the back, and there he is. Para servirle. Oh, Melchor, will you come back tonight, please? Please come back tonight. Oh, para servirle. Six months straight. Para servirle. He was in that sound booth. We told the people the church is open at 6. Service starts at 7. Prayer room is open. Guess what? Melchor was there at 6 o'clock. We gave an atheist the key to the church. He was there. He opened the church. Our disciples were home sleeping like they were in the boat. The atheist, Melchor, para servirle, he was there, opened the church. Guess what? All of our sound equipment that we had in the church, it was all taken out. And he didn't steal it. You know what he did with it? He put it in our storage room. Turned out that this man is the technical, he's the, his company is called something techno, something, something, something. He, his company is, he runs the national stadium for the Costa Rican national stadium, runs the sound system for the government of Costa Rica. This man is like most famous out of all sound technicians in all of Costa Rica. Churches, big organizations, governments. He took all of our old, beat up, nasty old equipment that we had suffered and paid for. All of us, Pastor Carla, uh, Pastor Blake and Carla, they had to pay for some of it. And we paid for some of it. And he had it all stored nice and neat. Cables folded. 
everything put away. He brought all of his brand new. You think we got a nice sound system here? This man had the rolling speakers that rolled with the big stands. The stuff hangs off the roof and he had the turbo lights on. I'm it makes these lights look like, I mean, I don't even know. I mean, we got, we got a nice setup here, amen? But this man put a hundred and something thousand dollars worth of sound equipment in our church. We got to the next Sunday service, and I'm telling you what, I got up there, man, I felt, oh, I mean, my voice even changed. I'm like, oh, el, el, el Señor es bueno, gloria a Dios. I changed. I was with authority that day. I'm like, God is good. He's a mighty God. Hallelujah. He'll take you from rags to, to riches. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Of course, when he, when we left the country, he took his equipment out. But glory to God, probably a wise decision. Amen. But God is still doing something in that man's life. He's still there. He is in that church. But you know, if it wouldn't have been for Pastor Carlos, uh, Pastor Carlos, why am I calling Pastor Blake Pastor Carlos? Pastor Blake and Carla, if they were, if it wasn't for them answering the call of God to pastor a church and for us to step in behind them, then those people on that screen wouldn't have been there. You see, there are only people that you can catch. There are only people that you can cast out your line and reach. Hallelujah. Because God will use you, specifically you, to reach that, that family member, that person in your life. Amen. And Mel Chord, he's still there. We got there this time, and he, you know, he came to me and he said, Pastor, I got some things in my life. I'm not right. I haven't been faithful to church. He says, but I'm making a fresh commitment. Glory to God. He was there, all the services that we were preaching, and he was there, and he was faithful. And he says, I'm going to be here. Glory to God. And I believe it with all my might. Amen. With all my heart, I believe he's going to make it. He's not an atheist anymore. He gave his life to Jesus Christ six months later. He was saved and set free and delivered. Glory to God. And he's still in that place. Loves Pastor Carlos with all his heart. Serves in that church under Pastor Carlos. And I'm telling you what, God is so good to us. Amen. And that one of the families, you, if you ever watch the service online, you'll see them playing the piano. That's Carlos and Yvonne uh, and their family, their kids. We held those kids when they were babies in our arms and just loved on them. And, and, and God, they're still there. They're still serving. They're still ministering, playing instruments, which they never had a desire to even play an instrument. And God's using them to sing in the church. Amen. See, that's what God does. He builds us. He brings us into a place where we are just loved and accepted and we feel like we're right in with, you know, Dylan and his family right here. They, they come in here. Those kids, they're, they're, those kids probably preach at you when you go home, telling you everything they learned in the Sunday school. But they're excited. And 20 years from now, we're going to look back on this and see the good things of God, how God has done great and amazing things in your all's life. And that's what it is all about. That's why we go to Colorado and preach revivals. That's why we go to Nicaragua and Costa Rica and preach the gospel. Amen. So that God can get the glory. Hallelujah. You see, there is no formal program of discipleship. There's no formal, you know, I can't tell you, read a book and you'll get it and you'll understand it. No, there's nothing like that. Listen, Jesus discipled his men by walking down the streets and sitting at a table and talking and encouraging one another to make it for Christ. Amen? And that's how we're supposed to make it. I had the opportunity to sit with all the pastors that we were with, and we were just discussing the things of God and talking about the goodness of God and how wonderful he is, encouraging one another for their churches and the things that God is doing in their lives. And I'm telling you what, that is the best discipleship that anybody could ever get. Amen? So number two, the harvest is work. It's work. 
How many know it takes, you know, when I got to Costa Rica, you know, I, I already warned you before I even left, I was asking you all for prayers because I knew what I was about to get into. It's not easy. I mean, Marvin knows. He, I told Marvin I was going to Nicaragua. He's like, you're going to Nicaragua? You see, what you don't understand is they just recently took all the, uh, the Catholic churches and closed them all down in, Costa, in, in Nicaragua. Matter of fact, the Christian churches, they're closing them all down right now because they found some corruption in those churches uh, where they were running programs in their churches to fill rooms and beds for people that were hurting. And the government was paying these programs and found out that the Catholic churches were not using those beds or the programs correctly. So it's a communist country. They came in and wiped it all out. And took, they, they shut the churches down. You drive down the road, you see the churches locked up, boarded up, and shut down. So here we are. We get on the bus from Costa Rica. We're flying. We're driving in. And we had to go 12 hours on a bus all the way there. The hottest time of the year in Nicaragua right now is, is, is right now. It's 100 degrees, but it's 100 degrees we ain't never seen. It's dirt. It's desert. It's, it's, uh, that's all I'm going to say. If you don't believe it, just look it up online. You'll find it out. We get to the border, and I'm telling you something. We get up there, and, you know, we're with a group of pastors, and, and uh, we all have our own, uh, you know, most of, most of the pastors are there. They're, they're not on staff at a church. They're, they're, they're working. They're, we're working. We have normal, everyday jobs. And my brother-in-law, Ben, Pastor Ben, you know, he's traveled all over the world all his life. He knows. He's been to probably 50 countries. I mean, he's been all over the world with his dad preaching the gospel. He knows not to say, we're here to preach the gospel. We got up to the immigration line, him and another pastor, I won't mention their name, but they got up to the immigration line and, they, you know, they say, what is your occupation? I'm a pastor. You don't, you know, we're not big, you know, we're not all haughty about it. You know, I'm a pastor. I'm here to preach the gospel. But we didn't know about the Catholic churches getting shut down. We didn't know the problems they were having. And when they asked these two preachers that were with us, one was at this window, one was at that window, and the immigration's asking, what is your occupation? Almost at the exact same time, they both said, I'm a pastor. Woo! That's the wrong thing to say. Let me just tell you this. I'll make a long story short. We got interrogated by the immigration police there. They grabbed us all, pulled us out, grabbed our bags, threw us like in this back corner over here. And you know me, I'm, I'm, always, I'm always prepared. I mean, I'm seeing, I know everything that's going on around me. And all of a sudden, we're standing back there in this corner, and we're over here, and, and I'm looking up. You know, I got my eyes going this way, and I'm, I'm trying to be cool about it, you know, looking around. And I said, man, there's cameras all over watching us. And I told these guys, and I'm not just saying, hey, there's cameras watching us. I say, hey, there's a camera's watching. <laughs> Pastor Jose's like, did you just have a heart attack or something? I don't know, there's a camera. There's a camera right there. I, I was talking, I mean, I'll tell you, I was talking like these, these cowboys over here in this city right here. I, I mean, I said, I'm going to talk like Jimmy over here. I'm, I'm going to talk like this. I'm talk. You know, I don't want nobody to understand what I'm saying. They're watching us. They're listening to everything we're doing. And these guys are saying, oh, but we are pastors and we're there. You know, we're, 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 we're pastors. We're going in here to preach. I said, no, we're not. I said, I'm a window cleaner. Hallelujah. Oh, and the other one said, yeah, and I'm a, I'm a janitor. I clean the church. And another one said, yes, and, and I do this, and I do this. And so we're talking. We're building the story, right? And they come back out of there, and, and this lady comes out, you know, and they're, they're tough. You think the Nicaraguan men are tough? They ain't tough compared to the Nicaraguan women. Whoo, Lord have mercy. Our, I didn't even got to the part about our van yet. I hope to God I can even get to it. But it was women that got our car out of a hole. It wasn't men. It was women. They came out there and said, you get out of my way. They were shoving them dudes around. They said, you get out the way. You, you're worthless around here. That's what they were saying. You try that here in the United States of America, you'd be in trouble. 
I'll try to home, I'll be really be in trouble. But I'm going to tell you something. They came out and she says, what do you guys do for a living? I stood up and jumped right in front of that lady. I said, ma'am, I am a window cleaner. I said, you see them dirty windows back there behind you? The windows all over the place. Dirty, dirty windows. Tape and paint all over. I said, ma'am, that's what I do for a living. I clean windows. I am a nobody. I'm here to visit this guy over here. He's got a mother-in-law that lives here. And we're going to visit her. And here's my hotel information. Glory to God for the Holy Ghost to show up on time. Amen. Oh, you're oh you're coming to visit. Yeah. How about you? Yeah. No, ma'am, I'm a janitor. Yeah, I do this. I'm cleaning and this and that. And I'm telling you what, it was a favor of God. 45 minutes to an hour of interrogation. And that woman finally said, we can go. We grabbed our stuff and we were gone out of there. And we loaded back up on the bus. And guess what? We still had another six hours to go in the bus. We're tormented in our minds. We don't know who's going to get on that bus and try to rob us. We don't know. One time we were on a bus, they tried to take our passports from us. You don't know what's coming. We get all the way there to Nicaragua, and I'll tell you what, the Holy Ghost showed up. We show up the first night to preach, and the sound system goes out. Pastor Ben's screaming and shouting with no microphone. And I'm telling you what, it was so hard. And they brought those speakers. He kept preaching. And God just, he, he will prevail. Glory to God. Amen. You see, the enemy may show up. If you give him any room, he will take over. He will destroy your life. But if you say, nope, I am a child of God. Hallelujah. Sometimes you got to walk a little. I'm, I'm walking like this because my knee hurts. But, you know, sometimes you got to walk kind of crazy. You know what I'm saying? You gotta, you gotta, you gotta draw some attention to yourself because you are a child of God, and God is going to prevail. Amen. Second night, everything went perfect. First night, I don't know how we got into. It's like pulling a, a a van. They call it a microbus, and it's like a 15 passenger van. The smaller versions of this, we had to get into a spot almost as narrow as this little line right here. And I'm telling you what, it was it, the Lord opened up that byway and highway just big enough for our car to get through it. And we got through. We hit that thing. We almost went off a cliff coming over a bridge getting there. We got in there. Third night, I said, I'm not getting on that bridge again. They said, well, you got to meet us on the highway. I said, you guys are going to. And by this time, you got to tell those people what you want. You're not taking their, their you're not going to show me no more where, where you're going to take me or which route we're going to go. No, no, you're going to listen to me. I'm not going on that same road I went on. No, 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 no. The, the city came in, and they fixed it. Everything is good. They came in today, and it's all done. They, they widened the roads. Two little planks, one on this side, one on this side. And when we hit that thing, our car, it did the banana split, man. I'm telling you what, and in the middle of that bridge was a hole, a manhole that was so big. Our van hit that thing, and I don't know, it sprung us up. I, I, I'm telling you this story like, it's, like we went 50 feet in the air, but it was only 100 feet. It was bad. And I'm telling you something. We got through there. The last night we're coming to church, and it's my night to preach. And I'm saying, Lord, I don't know what you have for us. I'm prepared in my heart, my spirit. I'm ready to go. And it's an hour drive there. I'm tormented in my mind by the time I get there. Right in front of us, for me, me to Tyler, right there. A guy on a motorcycle flying through the traffic. Bam! Hits a big, big semi-truck. Killed him in the, in the moment, instantly, dead. Motorcycles coming from everywhere just to get up close to see what happened to their buddy. And sure enough, that man was gone. You know what? We're not promised tomorrow. There's no promise for tomorrow. Today's the day of salvation. We need to live for God today like we will never see another day of our lives. Hallelujah. That man went right into eternity. We don't know whether he went to heaven or hell. Nobody knows but God. Hallelujah. Amen. We get up the road. 
We had to go up, up, up this embankment and drive around all that accident. We get up on that road, and, and the pastor is right there waiting for us on the side of the road. I told him, you're going to wait for me on that highway. I'm going to pick you up, and you're going to lead us into this place the other way. I get, he gets in the car. He says, no, 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 they fixed the road, Pastor. Don't worry. You don't have to worry about that bridge anymore. They fixed it. I said, Pastor Javier, I am not going on that bridge. You're going to take me the way that that gentleman in the church took us home the very first night. It's safe, and I feel safe. He, he says, okay, that's your order. You say it, I'll do it. We, he took us in. We get all the way around to come back, and we had to pull in this way now to get into our little road. And I'm pulling up, and I see the road. It's completely dark. And it was light, light, light colored, like light sand the other days before. And as we're pulling up, I could see that road. We're coming from this way, and I'm looking. I said, oh, guys. I told the guys in the van, I said, everybody quiet, man. I says, I see these roads. It's, it's, that ground is wet. And, and, and the pastor said, yeah, they just did construction here today, and it's all good, and everything's been prepared. And I look over on the side of the road right there where we had to hit the dip and go up, and sure enough, there was a broken water pipe right there, and water was gushing. And everybody in the van is saying, oh, you got this, you got this, pastor, you can do it, let's go, come on, just gun it, let's get through. It's the last night, it's good. And the pastor, Pastor Javier, saying, yeah, let's do it. It's the brave heart scream, the yell, and I'm telling you, I, Woo, man, I put it on there, boy. We went and hit that thing. And I'm telling you something, we high-centered on that hill, and our tires went all the way down to the axle. And I'm sitting there 10 minutes trying to get in, trying to get out, not even a budge. I'm spinning tires front, back. They're outside. The pastor's in our suits. We're all dressed up for church, and we're pushing. They're pushing this van, rocking it back and forth. And you want to know, it was a crazy. Pastor Jose comes to me. He says, Pastor Mario, you got to get up there to preach. The service has already started. I, we didn't know what time it was. He said, it's already time for you to get up and preach. you got to run. I said, Jose, listen to me. You are not going to let anybody else in this driver's seat. You're, you're going to be the one. You are the driver. And he did. He stayed there. Didn't let anybody get in that car. I took off out of that car. I ran down the street. I'm running down the street. I'm losing pages to my sermon. I'm running. I'm flying. My Bible's flopping dirt and dust everywhere. And I run to the end of the road, and I run straight down there, and I start preaching. And I'm telling you what, by the end of the sermon, I'm telling you, I'm ready to do the altar call. We hear this big, they call it a grito de jubilo, hallelujah, man. It was a big shout of praise, and it was all sinners. And during the preaching, all I see is thieves and ladrones, and I, I see all these people that are shady characters running with big boards on their shoulders and, and big, uh, uh, what do you call those, wooden pallets and jacks and shovels, and they got picks in their hands, and I'm thinking, oh, Lord, our pastors are getting buried. Lord, I'm preaching your word here, and I'm thinking this. I'm trying to preach, and I can't even think. I'm worried about these guys sitting out there with that car, and all of a sudden I see all these people running. It turned out the people that live right across the street from the church, which they're so stubborn they won't come to the church. They don't want nothing to do with the church. Those are the same people while we were suffering with trying to get our car unstuck that started calling people, saying, hey, these people, these pastors that came to preach for this revival, their car is stuck at the end of the road, and people are running. They had 40, 30, 40, 50 people. I can't tell you how many from the neighborhood of that community, and they're rocking this car. Push. I'm telling you something. They could have probably lifted that whole car up out of that mud and just moved it. There were so many there. And women pushing that thing underneath, laying in the mud, the dirt, you know, from the tire spinning. They all had mud all over their faces and everywhere. Pastor Jose said, I was so worried that the car was going to grab traction and that we were going to run over all those people as we were trying to get out of there. But God had a different plan. 
And you know what? While I was over there preaching the gospel, all these pastors that are trying to get our car unstuck with all those people in that community that wanted nothing to do with God, God used that as an evangelistic tool. They said, you know what, guys? We want to invite you to church. As soon as they broke that car free and they got it unstuck, hallelujah, Pastor Carlos stayed back and everybody went to their houses, but those pastors ran down there and they helped me in that altar call to pray for people, amen? But they invited all of those people today for service, Sunday morning service in that field. All of us pastors, hallelujah, amen. Listen, I'll tell you, God is good. All of us pastors, we took a little offering, man. We, I mean, we gave them money. We gave the pastor money. And we said, Pastor Javier, on Sunday, we want you to go and buy food. Make the biggest meal that you've made. made. Make a meal better than you made for us this entire week. And we want you to serve those people when they come to church on Sunday. And we told all the people. They told all those people that were helping out there at the bus. And you know what? We'll see what happens. Amen. I'm going to give a report on that. Because whether it's today or whether it's next week or whether it's next month, God planted seeds in that community. Amen. Amen. Come on. Give the Lord praise this morning. Amen. You know, it didn't go. It didn't go like we thought it was going to go. It went better. God's ways are better than our ways. God knows. God understands. He cares about the things. So when I say that it's work, listen, doesn't that sound like work? That was work. We got done. We were sweating to death. We were dying. It's 100 degrees out there at 10 o'clock at night. It's hot. And we're just, I mean, it's overwhelming. And, you know, the devil thought, I'm going to destroy what God is doing in this community. It's easy to look at a video and say, you know what? We don't even have a building there. What are we doing? I'll tell you what we're doing. We're standing out in that dirt field with our hands up in the air, with our eyes closed, worshiping God. And as I'm praising and I'm preaching the gospel in that city, in that, in that community, uh, everybody's oppressed and depressed and they feel like there's no hope for them. And I stopped the service and I said, everybody, I said, just put your hands up. I said, put those antennas up to God. Let the power of God come through those antennas and just begin to listen to the voice of God. Cry out to the Lord. And I'm telling you something, there, there, there came a roar over that whole entire community. Matter of fact, there's about 10 churches within one block around that area that we're planting a church. And they're all women preachers. And if you've ever heard a woman's pastor church, it's nothing but screaming in a foreign country. I mean, it's, it's I'll say no more. It's wild. No order. It's just screaming, screaming, screaming. And I'm telling you what, God shut those doors to those churches, shut them down completely. I, I couldn't hear another word out of any of those churches that night when I began to minister at that altar call. People got saved. I began to minister to the people that could hear my voice that weren't even in the crowd. They're outside their houses listening. Listen, these people are desperate people looking for something that's going to give them hope in their life. And if we don't answer the call of God to say, Lord, here I am. Here I am, Lord, send me. You know, you, I'm not talking about moving your family to another city or doing this or that. I'm talking about right here where we are, being active in the things of God. Like yesterday, I was so proud to sit back and watch. Here our pastors out of town preaching a revival. His family's here, and I'm here, and you guys were here, and everybody was serving God. I, I don't remember yesterday, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm so out of it. I've been shaking on a bus. I, I mean, just rocking back and forth on a double-decker bus from Nicaragua to back to Costa Rica. And it, my mind is just not here. But I will tell you this. I tasted the goodness of God in a dirt field. I saw God do powerful, amazing things. And look at us today. We, we were here today, and I'm telling you what, we're blessed to be alive. We're blessed. This morning on the way to church, 
Everybody saw the accident. There's a big semi-truck. Who knows what happened there? But I do know this. We're here to worship God. Whether you're in a semi-accident on the highway or whether you're sitting here at church or whether you're at the worst place in your life, listen, to lift our hands up and worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's no greater feeling. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes this morning in reverence to the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. You see, when God wants a worker, he calls a worker. He never goes to the lazy or the idle when he needs a man or woman for the harvest. And I'll tell you why. Because the harvest is work. It's work. It's a lot of work. It's exhausting. It's overwhelming at times. But we need to understand today that it's urgent. It is urgent. You see in the passage that I read, you can read this passage later in Philippians 2, 25 and 30. Just remember Philippians chapter 2. Read the whole chapter if you want to. It's talking, Jesus here is talking about the harvest with urgency. Urgency. As a people that desire to be fruitful disciples of Jesus Christ, we need to have insight into these words. An urgency of prayer, as our brother Ray talked about this morning. Declare war on the enemy. Amen? Declaring war on the enemy. Taking authority over sin in our life. This morning, I want to give you an opportunity. You're here today. You say, Pastor, I'm not, I'm not saved. I'm away from God. I'm, I, I'm, a, I'm a good old sinner. I'm just going to be honest with you, Pastor. I'm, I'm a good old sinner, and I'm not saved. I want to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. If that's you today, I want you to just lift your hand before God today. Say, that's me. I want prayer. I want to give my life to God. I want to surrender. If that's you today, just lift it up and put it right back down. God will see that hand today. How many all over this place? Maybe you're online today, and you're watching this, and you say, wow, you know, I, I really need to give my life to Jesus Christ. We're going to pray a prayer if we'll all stand to our feet this morning. I want to pray a prayer with all of us. And I want us all to pray this prayer, and I want you to mean this from the bottom of your heart. You know, sometimes you regret that maybe you didn't raise your hand. And God really wants us to be bold and put our hand up in front of people and say, you know what, that's me, I'm a sinner. I, I have fallen short of the kingdom of God. We are all sinners by nature. I got news for you. If you didn't know this by now, you were born a sinner. We all were born sinners. And we're all sinners saved by grace, saved by his grace. Without him, we would be absolutely nobody. And without God, I'm telling you something, I would not be here today. I would be out, like Pastor says, I would be dead today if I wasn't saved and serving God because I know how the enemy works. I want to pray this prayer this morning. Repeat after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I ask you to come into my life to be my Lord and my Savior. I need a Savior. I need you to forgive me, God, of all of my sins. Make me a brand new person. Cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Write my name in the Lamb's book of life. I will serve you from this day forward. I give you my life. I surrender today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Give the